Welcome to another edition of Your Impact Attack. That's right, it's Your Impact Attack. You guys, you have the Impact Attack. And uh, we are just the uh, the curators, we are the moderators, we are the hosts, we are the... Um, groundskeepers. Uh, the groundskeepers, if you will. And who is we? And who said that? Well, uh, I, myself... Rogers guy. The vet. That that that. Rip 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 Rogers guy. Uh, and Jamie Williams, sometimes colloquially known as the vet, and my tag team partner Brandon is here as always. Brandon, what's going on? Not much, man. How you been? Well, you know, I've just been trying to beat the heat, and uh, and as soon as I get myself a nice, shiny, new sort of air conditioning unit, then, of course, the temperatures drop into a more manageable, uh, you know, but that that's just life. We're not here to talk about me and my air conditioning unit. Uh, how have you been? I have been awesome, man. How have you been? Although, I've been great. I, how, how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Work has been killing me. Like, I don't have any AC in my car, so I'm coming back from every single delivery just absolutely drenched in sweat and have to spend like a minute or two in the walk-in freezer just to cool down. Yeah, I know what that's like. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, hopefully everybody else is... Um, you know, doing their best to uh, stay cool during this hot, hot summer. And uh, speaking of everybody else, I mean, I guess that would be referring to the C in the VBC. Uh, so who's who's with us tonight? Man, it looks like we got a pretty full house tonight. We got Jerome Hall. We got Lab Rat. We got our homie Lizbeth, Steve Eggert, MV Hitman. Retro Rocket Review Review and Buckshot Kid Javi Uchida. How you guys? Scott Woodford, how y'all doing tonight? Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Scott Woodford's a little too sexy, so we have to be careful, you know, whenever we acknowledge him. He is the man that met a moose. So. Too sexy for the shirt. I might just take it off because it's so damn hot. That's right. Um, well, let's not get kicked off of YouTube now. Uh yeah, trust me, they would do that because nobody wants to see that shit. <laughs> How did this violate the guidelines? Just nobody wanted to see it. <laughs> like, that's the reason they give you when you appeal your your strike. Uh, all right, so we got, quite a, we got quite a house here. So since we got quite a house, we might as well uh, just get started with some... Uh, I guess uh, unfortunate. Let's, let's kick off with the unfortunate oh, yeah. stuff. Um, Pioneer Adrian Street. Yes. Okay. We'll go with Adrian Street because we got two. Uh, Adrian Street. Um, yeah. You talk about Pioneer. You said Pioneer. And he was, you know, so for those of you who didn't know, the exotic Adrian Street, um, big wrestler in the British uh, scene before he came to the U.S. in the early 80s. Uh, and he was one of the first 
sort of wrestlers in the modern era to have that like the flamboyant personality you know like the one where you you push the boundaries of you know what's feminine and what's masculine and, and those type of things right yeah like think like 80s glam rock yes 80s glam rock with makeup glitter you know putting your hair in little twin tails and ponytails and all kinds of tails and just just being ridiculous you know basically and uh you know that just that idea being able to sort of leverage people's you know feelings about that the homophobia you know without adrian street you probably don't get a gold dust you know like like or things like things of that nature people with that psychology um so but adrian was like a real and he, he kind of had to be like he came from a real tough um you know background i mean his dad was a coal miner and he just like fuck this i ain't doing that you know i'm not following the family footsteps here i'm gonna uh i'm gonna um you know i'm gonna do something else so yeah he you know he was one of those like uh you know shooter wrestlers you know i mean he could actually go in, in terms of if things got real and you know when you're play playing a gimmick in those days in the 70s you had to mm -hmm. you you couldn't you couldn't not defend yourself so you know a legit tough guy uh a pioneer of the flamboyant persona um and then he came to the united states and stayed here and made a splash you know working for continental i know this because as a rip rogers guy rip used to talk about adrian all the time um and if you go to uh you know rip rogers's twitter or x or whatever you want to call it i'm just call it twitter probably <laughs> and then uh uh you you can see him he he you know, he was at the gym, of course, recording uh, a tribute to uh, his friend Adrian Street. So um, you can let you can let Rip tell you in his own words about Adrian Street. I'm sure he'll say more um, on wrestling with Rip Rogers uh, this Friday. Um, so that that's uh, unfortunate, but uh, you know, sadly, I didn't really see like a ton of adrian street i mean i always saw him but they were like when i was a kid and you read the wrestling magazines like the pro wrestling illustrateds and the wrestler and like all those type of mags the after mags and things um i that i would see pictures of adrian street and be like who's that dude because i'm a kid i'm watching the wwf you know i don't see i don't see this uh so like he was more legendary to me and i only saw matches of his like much much later as i got older what about you what was your experience with adrian street when do you remember hearing about him oh uh, the first time i ever heard him was actually in a locker room when uh there was a one of the wrestlers that on, on the show was doing a more flamboyant type over the top thing and i overheard the conversation between him and one of the vets and they was basically saying here's somebody people need to watch adrian adonis adrian street and then mm -hmm. that was like okay i'll go check him out and it's like wow this guy kind of changed changed things a little bit i mean he kind of set the bar hit i, I mean throw adrian adrian adonis in there too they both kind of set the bar and 
elevated to like the that kind of style and character in wrestling. I mean, obviously it was kind of a inspired by Gorgeous George. I mean, that was really the 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 V first pioneer when it came to that type of character and gimmick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Gorgeous George was really the the beginning of it. You know, he took inspiration from Gorgeous George. Obviously, he also took inspiration from the original Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, who was not really that type of character, but just looked so different than everybody else with the blonde and the tan and the robes and the you know that kind of thing. Maybe um, you probably even throw a little bit of Billy Graham in there too with the feather boas. Yeah, maybe even though Billy Graham came around a little bit you know later while he was overseas you know um but i mean maybe he's basically you know just the kind of guys that would stand out from the regular you know dudes in a cloth diaper you know with short boots type you know that that was just a lot of wrestling back then um so yeah that was uh so yes, unfortunately, um, 82 years old, um, and uh, you know, I guess maybe complications from a stroke is is what they're saying as of right now. So unfortunate. Oh, speaking of strokes, you hear about the uh, story with Gerald Briscoe? Oh no, I didn't. Now I was listening, yeah, on the Tony Schiavone podcast that. Uh, Conrad brought up like over the weekend during the when they went to the Colorado Alley Club or the or the big uh, con- thing that happened over the week uh, the week this past weekend or maybe a week ago. He was sitting next to Bradshaw at a bar. He has a couple of drinks and he literally said, "Looks at Bradshaw and says, I think I'm having a stroke.'" And then he falls right over. Oh man! Get him to the hospital. Turns out he was just dehydrated. So thank God for that. I was going to say that must have been it because. We would have definitely heard about that uh, if if that had happened. So, all right, all right, Jerry, slow down. All right, buddy, you know, drink some water. Okay, it's hot out there, like we said. Yeah, if you're um, gonna be drinking, drink water too. Yeah. So yeah, that's Adrian Street. Um, and then, uh, of course, a more mainstream. Uh, you know, much more mainstream, at least here in the United States. I don't know how Pee Wee Herman did all over the world, but um, I feel like a very recognizable character as well. Uh, Flamboyant in a different way. But yes, Paul Rubens passed away, um, I guess, yesterday. Yes, from my understanding, it was a private battle with cancer he's been fighting for six years. In fact, and this is the, and his death is the first anybody's ever heard of it. Exactly. Uh yeah, so I mean, shit. What can you say? Is this is Pee Wee Herman, dude? This is like, you know, we Ameri- Americana, like American culture, right? And um, it, it was. I remember just I mean, he's he's been like, as far as my earliest memories, he's kind of been around, you know. And I knew, um, of Pee Wee Herman. Like as soon as I was conscious, right? Like uh. I, I, I don't remember a time really without Pee Wee Herman, kind of. Um, you know, I don't remember exactly where the character first popped up, but I think he did like it was like a stand-up comedy type of type of thing, right? Yeah, from, or and yeah, then he I, got the the movie, right? Yeah, from what I understand, it was actually more, it was actually way more adult-oriented. 
Right. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, it was it was something else, and then and then um, you know, it, it after the movie that that sort of spun off into a, you know, to a children's show, which I think a lot of people of our generation have sort of grown up and and on that I remember watching that secret word <laughs> cherry zombie ah! J- cowboy curtis you know aka lawrence fishburne um Phil you know, was so, there too yep phil hardman so so like that that whole weird character is i mean how would you describe that character to somebody that had never heard of it before eccentric yeah and that doesn't really explain it i mean that's that covers one thing i mean that's where you start yeah so you know paul rubens the guy uh made uh, a huge career out of just doing this um you know like this weird child he's like a man child i guess is the way you would describe Wee herman he's he's like an adult who's a kid and then in the presentation he had there's all these wacky like uh just goofy gadgets and toys and is surrounded by bright colors like he lived in like the if if there was um how, how, he'd, how, fit how right, could I, he'd fit right in at neverland ranch yes but even crazier in a way because it's some of the stuff's not possible like you can't like you know you're not gonna have a headless dude in a box, or do like yeah, a... exactly. That's exactly what I was going for. You don't just get a genie head in a box to hang out with you. Your chair isn't alive. Um, you're, you know, so so th- there was always like cool stuff like that. Now, if if you only knew, you know, and it'd be, I guess it's possible if you only knew the children's TV show and you didn't see any of the other stuff like his his HBO special or, you know, um, if you didn't watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Pee-wee's Big Adventure was a different thing. A Tim Burton movie. It may have been Tim Burton's first movie. I I can't remember, but this was like, you know, a cool Tim Burton movie that that's in a little, you know, it's not quite up to the sort of like, um, creepy, you know, gnarly tree, black and white stripes, everything that would eventually become like trademarks of his, but it, it had that quirkiness to it. And he, it was basically just taking this weird guy and putting him out in the world for everybody else to run into him and going on a series of weird things that, uh, you know, that were very entertaining is it's actually, <laughs> It's actually a really good movie if you've never seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time and only remember from when you were a kid you'd be surprised revisiting it and i recommend that you do just check this movie out there's a lot of hilarious stuff in this movie um that everybody remembers like uh you know <laughs> uh you know large marge and uh you know the <laughs> also featuring wrestler professor toro tanaka as um uh francis's butler <laughs> which is a great scene they call uh, me the <laughs> there's like um yeah so i don't know but paul rubens did do other things uh another funny movie that you know i saw this immediately like upon hearing of his death another funny uh movie that he was in was the buffy the vampire slayer 
where that was like one of the funniest um like non Wee herman characters that i remember him playing yeah that uh, was that was a major departure from Wee. right unrecognizable and a lot of times he would be like he would you when you'd see him not as Wee herman he would be nothing like Wee herman you know he was um, in matilda too right uh i haven't seen matilda in so long but he was what he was he in that he was one of the fbi agents spying on matilda's dad <laughs> okay yeah so like yeah he had a, he had a range of things but you know peewee herman was the the big uh you know the bread and butter and then of course that whole thing had to go away because arrested for indecent exposure and that became a thing like you know yeah, you, you, you super scandalous back in those days yeah i can't really have a kid's host with that kind of thing hanging kid show host with that kind of thing hanging over him right so you know that that kind of put the kibosh on you know his mega stardom for a while even though i don't know how much longer it could have lasted because it was such a i don't know kind of a one note gimmick a little bit even though he did a lot with it but um but yeah you know he eventually made a comeback and he had a lot to do with wrestling which is why it's a good fit to talk about here um, yeah, i just saw that clip today with him and the rock yeah, he did that. He did something with The Rock. At, like, was it WrestleMania 27? Well, I think, remember they were doing the guest host thing back in like 09? Yeah, well, he I know he did that. That was the Raw guest host. Um, but I think there was a, I think there was a WrestleMania thing. Um, there was a, what was it? Um, he was, but he was in, he was even back in the, you know, like the rock and wrestling time, you know, when everybody was jumping on the WWF bandwagon with Cindy Lauper and, you know, all that stuff that was going on there. And Pee Wee Herman was part of that, too. Um, there was, a, you know, what do you call it? The rock and wrestling deal. Yeah, that that was he was a part of that. I think he did something with Roddy Piper, uh, which that is a clip that I need to go back and look at. I need to go see that too. I didn't know he interacted with Roddy Piper. That should have been entertaining. Mm hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it sucks that we found out about this, you know, just today because I would have loved to hear Ben Hameen talk about it, uh, on the Monday locker room. Uh, this was not news as of our recording of that, but I know he would have had a lot to say about it because not only just the pop culture aspect, but you know, he came up from he was one of the groundlings right like paul rubens he yep. so and he was, so was jericho mm -hmm. so all right well let's not compare paul rubens to chris jericho stopped through um but he was like you know um he was doing the he was doing that improv comedy in the late 70s you know and that's probably where he first came up with this character is doing you know or, or a version of it back then so so yeah i mean but yeah he he for whatever reason he kind of like uh you know gravitated back towards wrestling too when he made when peewee herman made his comeback in the in the teens i guess you know a few years ago which was kind of weird it was like seeing seeing peewee herman like basically unchanged but the guy is clearly much older and Every, it, it it was almost just like a little bit sad i guess because it was like uh this isn't how i would want 
people to see this character now. I would have rather they just look at it, you know, in the past kind of deal. But when he would show up on on Raw uh, to do a guest spot or any or like even when he did that, like what was it? He did some Netflix uh, movie or like a Pee Wee Herman movie on Netflix, and I was just watching it. Like, what the fuck is this, man? <laughs> this is. He should just let this alone because it's not the same. So kind of unfortunate to try to revisit something and just not, it's just not, it ain't right, you know? Um, But I don't know in a weird ass, in a weird way, him doing the whole peewee gimmick while looking older in small doses could be entertaining. Like, look at this guy who can't like, he's clearly old and still like, doing that and i think he's a guy who could have pulled it off but in small doses oh yeah small doses sure you know um but it's just like that's the thing it wasn't it was usually i mean when he came back when he did that peewee's big holiday movie like i watched that whole movie and i was like this sucks this is worse than big top peewee which was already one of the worst movies ever made so but that was just at least Big Top Peewee was actively bad. This was like, it, it was like a, a void. It was like staring into a void. It's like, you're just watching this movie for an hour and however long it is that you're just watching it and you're like, this is nothing. This is a black hole. Like there's nothing even, it's not even bad enough to be entertaining that way. It's just nothing. It's just a whole bunch of nothing. So that was sad. That's a, not a good note for the character of Peewee Herman to go out on, but anyway that really just doesn't encapsulate uh you know the man himself he should be remembered for you know the stuff from 40 years ago uh which was like a a big iconic character and uh it's still that stuff still holds up it was definitely uh, it was a product of its time but it's also out of time because it didn't tie itself to the 80s or anything like that it just it was just it just happened to take place in the 80s but the the bizarreness and the the sense of humor is kind of timeless i think so like even when you watch peewee's big adventure today like i'm sure i'm positive it holds up um if not better uh than it did um, but yeah, so rest in peace, um, Paul Rubin. Rest in peace, Paul Rubens, and as well as Adrian Street. Yep. So there you go. That's uh, that is uh, our sort of news at the top. I don't think anything else noteworthy has happened in wrestling. Again, judging by the Monday locker room headlines, this all sucked. Uh, so you know, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, trying to look for things to talk about. Uh, Brandon, is there anything that's news, newsworthy, noteworthy that happened that you'd like to comment on or bring up or talk about? Uh, not really, other than the rehashing of Angle and AEW that he did with Punk in WWE 12 years ago. Oh, the real world's champion? I'm the real world's champion. I've heard this before. I think the Nature Boy said it once, not the one that uh, Adrian <laughs> Street was inspired by, but the other one. Um, no, I thought yeah, because that was exactly what they did with Punk in WWE, where he went went over Cena for the title, left the company, and then they made a new champion. And all of a sudden, Punk comes back out and says, "Uh, I'm actually the champ." 
Right. And um, the only difference was back when they did that in 2011, they planned it. Yep. <laughs> this one was not planned. This one was, uh, what are we going to do? Um, uh, um, uh, and they could hem and haw for nine months and try to figure out what they were going to do. And when they had all that nine months was up, they did the most boring thing they could possibly do. At least so far. I mean, obviously, if you were a sitting champion and you had to leave, um, you're going to come back and say you're the champion because you never lost. I mean, you almost have to. But they don't have the balls to acknowledge any of the... or, Or to even... They didn't even have... You know, MJF addressed this, like as he's in the building while somebody's claiming to be the champion, and these guys already have a history, which they fought over. You know, so it's like you're 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 just not you just you guys don't have any balls right now. You need right. to get some balls, and you even have more intrigue right now with what MJF is doing with Adam Cole because Adam Cole could play the wild card. You have no idea which which direction he's going. Hmm. And I really think that that's the uh, that's one of the big problems in professional wrestling in general. It doesn't have to be limited to AEW. You have things on the table, even if you're just looking at. Look, I understand. Forget real life. Forget it. Just forget it. Just keep kayfabe on the table. You have so many things that you could do. So many uh, angles and directions that you can go off in with people interacting with each other, not only within the same company, but in different companies. You can acknowledge other people. If something's big enough on TV that you want to acknowledge it, why wouldn't you? In the real world, this kind of thing happens, you know? If something if something happens, you know, in the real world and you're watching like a sports broadcast, the announcers may bring it up, you know, just as a side thing or whatever while the game's going on or whatever or if you if you don't think that there's big news in sports like that they would cross over and talk about another sport during a sport of course they would world events that's right so even if you just look at wrestling you know if you've got some if you got some big deal in your if you got a guy in your company saying i'm the real world champion and you got the world champion in the building your show is writing itself for you you don't even have to think all you know, it, yeah, all it takes is have MJF arrive at the building. Somebody walks up the microphone. Hey, uh, CM Punk made these claims. How do you feel about them? That yes, simple. that simple. And it's even simpler than that because he's, you know, he's already there and we know he's there and he's booked to be there because he's in the main event that night. So, of course, he's sitting around. So what are you going to tell me? Like, oh, I was just focused on my match. Yeah, right. Okay, sure. So I don't know. Lazy lazy um no one cares candace space man no one cares about what other tv networks used to do this is uh this is fucking wrestling and we need to we're talking about the fact that they won't even acknowledge shit that is happening like you know i believe it was like uh russo brought up the point last week on the raw review when he's talking about seth rollins getting the shit kicked out of him by judgment day including Rhea Ripley and Becky's not even going to run down there. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Right. Like, are you fucking serious? You're not, you don't have to even say anything, but if she just runs out just to get a piece of Rhea Ripley, who is the champion, by the way, 
So even if you didn't want to talk about them being husband and wife, you could at least make the case that Becky is like going after the top dog because she's the man, right? Well, they've actually acknowledged their relationship on the show. Remember the man's man? Of course I remember it, but I'm just saying, even if you didn't, there's still something there and they still don't do it. My point is they don't do anything interesting or fun. They just do the laziest shit that they've always done. No one's pushing an envelope. You don't even have to be outrageous and controversial. You just have to do stuff that makes sense that any random person watching this, whether they're a fan or not, would logically go to in their mind first. If the fan goes to it first, you should have been there 10 steps ago. Yep, You, you have to be way ahead of the fans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, w l let's see... As we get into this uh, episode of Impact, how many times this comes up? <laughs> uh, yeah, but before sure. we do, um, so I understand that we have a, uh, you're still running behind, but we have a, the previous unfinished uh, uh, Punching Up Impact is now finished. Yes. Uh, the... For two weeks, this would have been for two weeks ago, right? Yes, this would have been the 7-13-23 edition of Impact. Which was right. the go home for same anniversary. All right. Well, let's get into it. All right. I, I will close my eyes to visualize this and not be sleeping. <laughs> you guys know I'm not. <laughs> you can tell by the way I'm going off. I'm not tired or sleepy. So. All right. So we do our usual recap catch up package. Go to intro pyro and ballyhoo. And next cut Catch up packet. That was a great Chris Farley movie. <sighs> All right. And then I cut to the announce table where they go over the card for tonight and they get their thoughts on recent developments. And then we open with an in-ring promo from Deanna Perrazzo. Deanna music okay. and entrance. She cuts a promo on how when she used to be the champ champ, she had the champ champ challenge. So she's kind of sort of bringing that a form of that back tonight for an open challenge for the knockouts title in the main event. Trinity comes out with the microphone, and again, she brings up what happens two weeks ago and mentions that she's not completely sure of Deanna's intentions. They go back and forth verbally until Deanna invites Trinity to come watch on commentary, and the two share a tense handshake and head to the back separately. Ooh, tense. Like a mega powers? <laughs> now, where it's like, you can tell, like, they're, like, any, like, it would, all it would take is just a little spark and that power keg is getting set off all right and then they go back to the announce table they talk about just went down and give their thoughts on tonight's main event and then we go to match number one zachary wentz with trey mcgill versus chris bay with ace austin rascals music and entrance abc music and entrance wentz is up after interference from subculture and then we get a subculture and abc brawl while rascals leave and we go to a video package of Nicholas, Nick Aldis and Alex Shelley for our first commercial break. And they come back with the BTI replay of Santino, Dango, and Heath. Backstage with Santino and Demore. And it goes just like it did on the show with the Rascals entering the scene. And they get shut down for a title shot. And then match number two, Kevin Knight versus Mike Bailey. Kevin Knight music and entrance. Mike Bailey music and entrance with Bailey up clean. Okay. And then we go to an MK Ultra vignette, which is the same one we saw on the show, for our second commercial break. Come back with the Leo Rush vignette, same one we saw on the show. 
Follow that with the uh, Chris Sabin vignette, which is the same one we saw on the show, but it would be a lot better than what we saw on the show. Right. And then match number three, Joe Hendry versus Yuya Yuramura versus Kenny King and Sheldon Jean, pretty much just like it did on the show. Then go to our third commercial break, come back with a new vignette for the Coven where they cast a weakness spell on MK Ultra, hoping that gives them an edge at Slammiversary. Weakness, eh? Hmm. <laughs> then we go to the announce table where they discuss the injuries to Macklin and PCO and then how they'll be out of the tag match at Slammiversary. And then we go to the busted open clip with Bully and Diener that goes just like it did on the show. And then our next match, Moose and Myers versus Swan and Callahan. Moose music and entrance, Swan and Callahan music and entrance, and the, that match goes just like it did on the show. And then we go to a ABC promo where they talk about what happened, what just happened, their thoughts on that, the Rascals, and they put over their match and they uh, put do promos on the, all of their opponents of Slammiversary. Before we go to our fourth commercial break, and then come back with a subculture vignette, that's the same one that we saw on the show, and Alan Angel's vignette that we saw on the show, and then the Nick Aldis vignette that we saw, because that was actually a really good one that Nick Aldis did. Mm-hmm. And then we have a go backstage to Trinity's locker room where Gia enters and she asks Trinity about tonight and she asks if Trinity might be walking into a trap. Trinity says it's possible, but she's prepared if it is. Go to our last commercial break and come back with the New Japan promo video before we cut to the announce table where they give their final hard sell for Slammiversary. And our main event, the knockout title open challenge, Deanna music and entrance while Trinity arrives at the announce table. And Deanna cuts a promo before the match where she reminds everybody about the Champ Champ Challenge and then calls out the challenger. Jody Threat music and entrance, and then we have that match go just like it did on the show and end it with an in-ring stare down between Deanna and Trinity. Does she hold the belt up at her? Yes. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. Um, not It doesn't sound like a hell of a lot changed. You added the coven vignette with the spell and a couple other things. Uh, so and and threat and yeah and threaded the main event throughout the show rather than just having it be there. Right. Yeah, it's always better to get people to. You know, that's the thing. Now this is where this is where the term "killing the town" comes in because you <laughs> you got me, so to speak because you got people excited to see who would answer Deanna's challenge and they would tune into the end of the show. And then when they get Jody threat, they're never going to watch again. So, you know, this is where you got to be careful with those type of things. This is where you could use your creative agency to replace Jody threat with a much more entertaining and interesting person. Right. If they, if they would have done more to build her up and got her over more then yeah, it would have made sense to throw her out there. I don't know. The bell still would have had to ring. That's the problem. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, and, uh, Jessica or Courtney Rush probably would have been better for that spot. Maybe, yeah. But again, this is your show. You could do anything you want. You could bring in somebody as a free agent if you wanted to. You, you could decide to sign a talent for Impact. Like we'll show you who you should have. You know. So think <laughs> about that. You know, as you further punch up their impacts, like look around the landscape and see who's not being used that could be used. This is a fantasy setting. I mean. We don't need to just tweak things that they've done. We can really go off in a different direction of like, if I was in charge and I want to tell these people what to do, 
you know, let's, let's, let's not do the same, you know, let's not do the same old shit. Let's not just, just, uh, keep things in house. Let's get creative with it. Let's try to get people to watch this shit. Is what I was saying. I don't know if impact, uh, got anybody to watch this shit. Uh, but, um, you know, you seem to, uh, like it. Uh, this is the post Jimmy Jacobs era, literally, because you will see later, uh, that, uh, he's not in the, all this vignette where he normally would be holding a microphone, but everything else is pretty much the same. So it's kind of noticeable. Uh, but anyway, that's getting ahead of ourselves. Um, let's just get right into it. Shall we? Uh, whoop, whoop. After our usual recap, we're going to get a match uh, to open the show with uh, it's Trinity and Danny Luna of Subculture teaming up uh, to which face was, that naughty coven. Which yeah. was weird. I thought they'd portrayed Subculture as heels. So why are they pairing Danny Luna with the over baby face Trinity? I don't know. They're not heels. I didn't get where, where would we get that from? They haven't, what have they done? That's heelish. All they did, they're heels in our eyes because we're like, who the fuck are you? And you come in and win these championships when, you know, you know, but other than that, uh, you know, have they cheated? Have they said anything disparaging? Uh, I mean, what's not to like? So. Well, I thought I thought they were, were heels when they came in to do that one uh, one off with uh, ABC. Well, are ABC heels or do people just cheer for them? I mean, like there's a little ambiguity here in terms of, you know, we're kind of getting away from our characters. That's true. Yeah, we need. To I think of... if you're a Bullet Club member, you need to be a heel. If the people happen to find you entertaining, that's just an unfortunate side effect. But if you're the Bullet Club, the you have to have a heel mentality. I'm sorry, that's the brand. You know, it's that's just what it is. So don't you know it's 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 ABC's own fault, or I don't think it's their fault. I don't think they've not acted like heels, but I think the company has positioned them as fan favorites. Uh, in spite of what they're supposed to be. So it puts it puts uh, Chris and Ace in an unfortunate position because now they're having to juggle like, all right, well, we're supposed to be heels, but we're in the babyface roles. And, you know, how, how are we supposed to play this? So now you get to, you know, you get to walk a line of mediocrity where you, you have a foot in each world and you're not fully committing to either one. And that's how you get boring ass wrestling. I think if they had split them from the Bullet Club and had us go full-fledged babyface, they could be a popular team. Yeah. So you could do a thing where it's like, I mean, they want the Bullet Club recognition, right? Because that, you know, otherwise you're just two random guys in a tag team. If you put the Bullet Club on your gear and now you, um, you know, now you've got a somewhat of an identity or an affiliation, now you can sort of build off of that. However, then you could, if you got, hot enough you could do an angle where you fight the bullet club if you have visiting members come in and you could split off from them and then be your own thing as baby faces like you know what we're not gonna you know whatever whatever it is that you do that they don't do that's what you could do so or something simple as jay white walks back in and says all right you guys healed you did you lost the belt you're cut you're done right 
I mean, whatever you do, just not this nothing. <laughs> How about not nothing? How about something? So I just, um, you know, th th that's what I would say. Uh, but anyway, regardless, um, it says we have a question here uh, from space. What does Brandon and the vet think about iced tea? Do make it from dry powder or buy frozen concentrate or just buy nest tea bottles from the corner store and take the plunge? All right. This is the last time we're going to put over this foolishness. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I don't really drink iced tea, yeah. uh, even though it's a great summer drink. So, well, I guess we uh, don't have any answers for you. Sorry. Unfortunate, unfortunate choice of question for your last question of the night. <laughs> Should have made it a good one. That's like getting like pork and beans for your last meal on death row. Oh, um, but uh, you could uh, have it with Dusty Rhodes if the timing's right. <laughs> uh, if so, you will. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's, uh, it's, you know, like I said, in case we forgot what match this was, it was Trinity and Danny Luna versus the Coven. I did notice that Trinity got a good little hot tag and a comeback. Um, and she uh, pinned Taylor Wilde after a Bubba bomb into a roll through like cradle thing, whatever. I don't know how do you describe that move. Uh, you know the one where you do the thing. So she won, and then uh, Deanna came out, and she's like, I want my rematch. And then that's basically it. That's where we go. It's basically like kind of like the end of your punching up impact, except the beginning of this show. Yeah, that was a really weird. Like, Deanna came out and said, oh, by the way, we're wrestling at Emergence, and then just left. Like, that's it? Yeah. Yeah. Scott Damore just informed me. Um, yeah, so there it was. Uh, any thoughts on the match and the setup and the lead into emergence or whatever? I mean, it was an all right match. I just thought it was kind of uneventful, the announcement of the rematch. Right. And, um, you know. Uh, at least they had a champ, you know, go over. Very so. true. And the new champ, too. Right. Uh, I forget what is the... This is how bad my brain is, because titles mean so little. I don't remember if the Coven is even still the knockouts champ. They're not, right? Right. They lost to MK Ultra. Got it. Okay. Um, Which, yeah, you wouldn't even know... You wouldn't even really know from this show that they won it. Uh, let's see. The most professional wrestling gods confront Leo Rush in the hallway and are like, hey, you know, what's up with last week? And then uh, Bully Ray joins in and he's like, hey, what's up with last week? Um, and then uh, they basically give him the ultimatum, like you're either with us or you're against us and we need an answer by the end of the night. So once again... We are doing the most lazy wrestling cliches that we could possibly do. But on the plus side, Moose appeared and spoke. So, you know, life is a given take. In more than one segment tonight. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it. It is really not much. Uh, so I guess. Uh, next is, uh, Zicky and Swinger. They're on the way. 
there with the uh, you're using the WrestleMania three mini cart. Uh, so oh, we had then, the we had the Dango vignette. Oh no, I'm just talking about this oh. is right this is right before commercial where they show him pushing. Ah. Yeah, uh, and then we have the um, after the break we get the uh, sort of the Dango and the Bravo vignette after they sort of show what happened last week. They recap the. Uh, running into Johnny Bravo's helmet um, and everything. So basically they do their little, uh, a funny, another funny, you know, Dango skit, interview skit, vignette, whatever you want to call it. And I laughed, uh, I laughed out loud at the Vietnam comment, the Vietnam bit. Right. Uh, Yeah. This man was in Vietnam. Yeah. I was on vacation for six days. Okay. This man spent almost a week in Vietnam. (laughs) Right, that kind of shit. That's pretty good. Um, but what we ultimately take out of this is that uh, he is now John E. Bravo is now the personal security uh, for Dango Alpha Bravo, and Dango so. may or may not be dating Santino's daughter. Yeah, may or may not, or it could just be him, or just went to Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, her her favorite appetizer is the is the shrimp. Yeah, the shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Um, and uh, society reviews asks if Courtney Rush is still fat, and no, not really. She's she's back in shape. She's back in shape. Uh, I think, uh, unless she got fat again. Um. <laughs> And then we get the match swinger versus dice. Okay. Uh, the best part of this to me was that Zicky wheels him out on the cart and then runs back up the ramp off camera. Like they were smart enough to do that. Like the, you see him pushing him out and then swinger finishes his entrance and gets in the ring. And while he's doing that and the camera's on him, Zicky runs back up the ramp then comes back out to his full music and entrance to make his own entrance. How much of um, that was those two? Like, hey, let's do that. Yeah, it's got to be, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, the match starts. It looks like we're going to get a finger poke of doom, but then Zicky's like, tries to roll him up. And so he's like, what are you doing, daddy? And then they get into an eye poke battle. And yeah, you know what? Brandon, can you recap whatever happens else here? Because... I, I yeah. was watching this and I'm just like, uh, it, all right. I, I, I think what they're kind of going for was like everything that like Swinger tried to do on Dice, Dice already knew was coming or vice versa. Like, you know, poke one eye or rake one eye, rake, another, rake the same eye, rake the other eye, rake the other eye, pull the hair. We both pull each other's hair. Yeah. And then from there, like... I, I I can't even I, I I didn't I found myself losing the energy to try to transcribe what was happening in the match. Oh, basically. that that that's the best way to describe it—a Three Stooges routine. Okay, thank you, Hitman. A Three Stooges routine. Um, but yeah, so what happened in this? Uh, what was the finish? I believe the finish was they did something where it was like it looked like Swinger was feigning, like you know what, I'm done. My time is up. It's your time, kid. And then he does the thing where he actually like says, no, you get into the cart. And then he starts to like, and then Zicky Dice gets into it, gets in the cart, does the whole pose. And then he clotheslines and throws him in. Uh, I forgot what the actual finish was. I know it was ended up swinging going over. 
Yeah. 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 That clothesline was weak as shit too. It was like I know the gimmick I know the gimmick is that he's a soft old wrestler, you know, but like come on. Come on, you can lay you can lay that in you can lay that into dice. You can lay because yeah, because he has to sell this. Like I know you guys are making a joke out of wrestling, but like can you at least just can you keep the the physical part somewhat believable as in addition to the comedy? Like I don't know it's embarrassing so that's one of the reasons why i've never you know i i can't i can't enjoy johnny swinger because he's doing a gimmick that's exposing the business and making fun of it uh which is fine in a way but like the way dango's doing that is more in line with something acceptable um and yeah swinger's just so shitty like on purpose like i don't remember him ever being this bad and i don't know if it's just that he's lazy and doesn't care or if he's really trying to be that bad on purpose like if he's trying to have worse matches than like Britt baker and ty valkyrie or whatever like i don't know if that's his like if he's trying to look like he's the shits like is that the level of his genius but it's still bad like you shouldn't do that regardless i mean who am i to tell johnny swinger what to do but i'm just that as a fan it no, disgusts I'm, me as a worker it disgusts me no i'm i'm definitely with you like the physicality should always be kept believable at all times unless you're doing a clearly like unless the angle is unless they're trying to portray that two people are working together to try to fool people then unless that is the angle yeah um is mlw more watchable than impact uh it depends it's like you'll probably see less of this corny shit on mlw but they look like they have no money so there's that dude Um, that uh that lawsuit though it sounds like it actually got some legs because uh jerry mcdivitt bowed out of it really well good luck mlw (laughs) Like I said before, like Core Bauer used to work at the WWE. I don't think he would push forward for something that he didn't think there was something to it because he definitely knows how they work and what they do and how they operate. So it's like, it's not just a sour grapes. It's, it's just legit. And the only people that would act like he's just doing this because, you know, just to get attention or some shit like that they are just wwe marks only those type of people would say that right like Um, for the for the case to make it as far as it has considering like every other case like this has been shut down says like they they probably have evidence and it has legs oh yeah well it's it's i mean it's right on the surface it's it's proof you know you know so like the wwe does not need to be making deals with you know companies that are working with mlw they have no interest in that other than to fuck with somebody else yeah it's not competition so it's like that's the thing it's it's like on the surface they the wwe act like they're above everybody else and then they're out here selling for all this petty shit so it's like you know that that's how they expose themselves so let your pro- let your product speak for itself instead of trying to shut everybody else down. 
Yeah. Um. All right. Well, speaking of shutting down uh, on BTI, Yuya Uemura pinned Kenny King in a tag match. So now he's got a rightful claim to a digital media championship match. And uh, I have so to we- ask after seeing this because I heard a very familiar voice on commentary. Was that Denise Salcedo? Was it Denise Salcedo during BTI I'm- during that BTI uh, clip? I don't know. It sounded like her. I'm like, is she doing stuff with them now too? Which would actually, which would, now you think about it with her being on a busted open and serious wouldn't actually make sense because she's got that Bubba Tommy connection. Hmm. All right. Chat, get on that. Uh, Cause I ain't watching BTI. (laughs) Um, uh, So, yeah. So anyway, we go to the back and Santino is trying to uh, work out uh, what he should do about this situation. Uh, and Joe Hendry's there and Yuya's there and Yuya wants a title shot. And Joe Hendry's like, Hey, uh, you know, what about, uh, hold on now. And then anyway, it ends up in a triple threat with these guys just all being entertaining. So what'd you think of this? Uh, it definitely looks like that. We might be seeing that Joe Hendry heel turn. We'd be kind of talking about. He's going to take it out on poor Yuya. Yeah, I I like this segment a lot because uh, it looks like Yuya's finally starting to get a push because this is the most character and personality that he's shown since he's been there. So, uh, like, all right, all right, kid, you finally, you know, you got your time in. We're going to finally start doing something with you. Yep. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I don't know how much time they have left, but let's see, uh, see what they're able to do. Can Yuya win? The digital media can he be a digital media champion? I don't know. We'll see. Uh can anybody do anything with the digital media channel? Has anybody been checking on Kenny King's social media to see if he's doing anything with this championship? Um uh Todd Brantley believes in a Joe Hendry heel turn. Um yeah, uh so we get a Nick Aldis promo without Jimmy Jacobs. Like I said, it's just the same exact backdrop and music and everything, except he just talks to the camera and cuts a good promo like he always does. Short and to um, the point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Labra wants a belt to test. <laughs> uh, then we get... Uh, all right, next is just, it's seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, it's not out of nowhere, but it's like, they they didn't, I don't remember them mentioning it earlier in the show, but we get Giselle Shaw versus Masha Slamovich here. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, the, the ends with, uh, it ends with uh, the jump up distraction leading to a series of weird events that leads to a Donumont. Uh, and Giselle Shaw over Masha Slamovich, but, um, you know, I just have in my notes, good ass match. Um, so we spent a lot of time talking on the Monday locker room, uh, this week about the infamously bad Britt Baker and Ty Valkyrie match, which I've already referenced once, um, and how they've been, you know, how that played out and all the stuff around it. But part of the problem in general is there's just levels to the way people, um, 
the way people actually approach their matches there are the people that will plan out everything and they will go over everything in detail and try to memorize this thing and what happens is when something goes wrong or something is forgotten in the match we know this from experience brandon if one thing gets forgotten it's like a house of cards it's like you ruin the rest of your match because you're constantly thinking of like uh uh, uh, uh this isn't what we wanted or we're missing a spot that we should have done here so now i'm trying to concentrate and remember and it's all visible so you can see that the people are trying to remember and they're just going to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and they forget about having the character and they forget about having reactions you know they forget about actually reacting to what's going on in the match as if this is really a contest that's the illusion that we're trying to create that it's you versus me and i'm reacting to what you're doing so even if i'm remembering how i'm supposed to react ahead of time i'm still supposed to look like i'm reacting in real time okay so um then there's the people that have the ability to go out there and they know what's supposed to happen basically and then they can fill in the rest like we got a few spots we need to hit we got a few uh you know a few things we need to get over in this match and the rest will fill in the blanks there's no way you could convince me that masha slamovich and giselle are not the latter category of people because they look like they were fighting right yep and what's the difference between those two and everybody else well let's just say without getting too controversial giselle shaw has a um different maybe how do i put this without getting canceled uh <laughs> Let, let me just go to Masha instead, and then maybe yeah, you guys start, can start, start with Masha and work our way. You guys can infer what I'm trying to say by what I say about Masha. Masha goes around on the indies all over the place, and she does a lot of deathmatch shit that I don't like. But what she is doing is she's what? mostly wrestling dudes. I'm going to go ahead and say it looked like two dudes fighting. Okay, Brandon said it. But Masha wrestles dudes. But at the same okay. time, though, we can say that about any woman. Like she, this woman wrestles like a man. She wrestles like a man. I think, like on on the Raw review this past week, they were talking about how uh, this match between, or not this past week, but uh, a couple weeks ago, about how that match between Rhea Ripley and uh, uh, Natalia looked like a fight uh, and a match that two dudes would have. Yes, absolutely. Um, so. What I'm trying to say is when you have repetition, 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 uh, either as or with the more physically inclined gender, I guess, uh, you just, it sucks that it has to be this way, but that's just how it is. Now, that's not to say that women that wrestle women can't be good. It just means that there's more times where you're in there with those 
ladies who are trying to remember their match and what happens next because there's an extra pressure on them to perform at a different level like we can't be divas and brawn panties anymore we have to actually have wrestling matches that's the expectation so some of them are trying to remember their match some of them are workers masha's out there she's a worker a lot of the time she's in there with dudes probably a lot of the dudes she's with are rotten you know because if they're on the indies doing death matches they're probably fucking rotten but she's getting the reps in and she's probably making them better she's the she's the iron that's sharpening them rather than the other way around but she's getting her reps in and she's working stuff out um so when she gets in there with giselle who already is she already knows what to do giselle knows what to do so you get these two together and now you got what looks like an entertaining contest a fight whatever you want to call it it looks like a fight it doesn't look like two chicks remembering stuff so if you watch one match for impact this week watch this one um and even if you take um even if you want to take gender uh politics or identities or whatever out of it if you just look at these two people had a better match than anybody else had on this show it doesn't matter who they are it was just a better match so uh you know that's what led to my notes good ass match and then back to what you're saying about like when it comes to planning everything out and being able to improvise like you can have you can plan out an entire match move for move spot for spot but you still got to have those improv improvational skills that if shit goes wrong you can fix it right there without the crowd knowing something went wrong yep mm-hmm i mean that's the difference that's what that's one of the points i brought up about that infamous match i you know like when when Britt baker you know made a mistake or whatever you could see on taya's face that she was frustrated instead of her being in the moment and being like you know like i said the way you the way you deal with something like that is if somebody messed something up you hurry and scramble to take advantage like if somebody if somebody botches a move or something just run over and pin them like ha, ha i got you sucker you you fucked up i'm pinning you and then you, they get a kick out or whatever so it's like rather than just sit there and roll your eyes at them or whatever like that's not what we wanted <laughs> like no don't don't tell people that just go pretend it's a contest go for the win you know it doesn't matter what the fans are gonna think they'll forget it if you forget it and just for and just act like you know the magician that you are and don't expose that the trick didn't work out like i i that's what i told ben that's why i said when you go to a magic show you don't want to hear the magician go oops (laughs) exactly that's not that ain't it you don't do that man Um, again i I said before on this show like i remember i'll never forget one spot i had in one of my matches where the dude like put me for down for a body slam he said watch the corkscrew senton i'm laying there i watch him fly right yeah i say i watch him fly right over and miss me i get up i roll over get back get on top of him start getting some blows get him into a corner and call a spot for him to take it back (laughs) watch it okay i'm watching it there it goes (laughs) i love that shit watch it brother watch the this watch the something okay i'm watching it oh shit there it went oh yeah um so anyway uh good ass match is what i was trying to say that was a good Um, match good match uh 
And let's go to the chat. Uh, Retro says, many women wrestlers and indies fight dudes, just not main three shows. I mean, yeah, that is true, but it's not, um, you know, they're not all Masha for whatever reason. I mean, Masha was also trained by fucking Johnny Rods, so there's like <laughs> different level there. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's different. That's way different. Right. Um, Todd Brantley says, in some cases in these intergender matches, the women are carrying the men because they have more experience and might even be a bigger name than their opponent. Right. Well, you get more experience doing that too. It's it's tough. You want the experience of both ways. You want to work with somebody better than you. But you also want to, so that you can learn, but you also want to be the one that's able to, you get practice and repetitions by helping people learn themselves. Like, be, because that means it, it gives you practice in those moments where the less experienced people maybe make a mistake. Or if you make a mistake yourself, like I'm supposed to be, you know, helping this person through the match and I make a mistake, you know, now how do I react to that? Can I cover that? You know, those are things that you need. Um, and people that have been put in that position, uh, you know, can appreciate that level of experience. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, I've been in that position where I'm supposed to, uh, lead somebody through a match and I'm like, people need to be leading me through matches you know i'm i'm just the less blind i'm like the i'm like the slightly sight impaired leading the blind i don't you know i i want to be led but now i'm in a position where i have to lead but you level up that way and you learn that way so you know there's there's benefits to both uh but you can't always be the more experienced one there's got to be some times where you get the chance to just follow along and be in there with a you know somebody that's much more experienced than you um and the way you do that is you just constantly get bookings like that's how that's what masha's doing she's constantly getting booked um um da, 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 and uh da, 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 what else was i gonna say uh Todd also says when Deion Prize was being trained by Rip Rogers, she wrestled men. Well, yeah, that's how just how we did it. Like a lot of times I was in there with uh Divas, you know. Like I was I was uh in there with Kelly Kelly, I was in there with Alicia Fox, I was in there with um uh what's her name? Katie Lee Burchill, uh you know, several several women in training passed through. Um Maurice, um uh, you know, like I got my hands on all of them. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, and so like, that was just how Rip did it. It was equality, you know, like, you're just going to have to do this. We're, we're just going to treat you as you're just another trainee. We're not going to say you're a woman trainee. We're not going to say you're a diva trainee. Rip is famous for saying this ain't fucking diva practice. Um, which he usually would say and just in reference to just the guys being <laughs> taking it easy you know like during 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 drills and training and stuff he'd say the same fucking diva practice and then actual diva showed up so that was fun um but yeah uh that's just how you should i mean that's how anybody should be trained uh anyway but then once you get off of that 
you know, what is training these days? You know, do you learn how to take a few bumps and a, and a, and a headlock and then you're just out there on your own? I mean, who knows what the Indies it's all over the place, right? I mean, Brandon, you must've seen a ton of indie riffic stuff, uh, in your time, right. Of people that are just like, I barely got trained. I'm on this show. Man, the thing that keeps coming to mind is like the super kicks or the hard shots to the head where they bounce, where like you bounce off the rope and just fire back. Like, no, no, that's that's not how this works. Yes. All right. Well, anyway, uh, here's Jake something. Speaking of not how this works, uh, we already had this guy in Impact, and we're doing vignettes now. So you're saying that we've already forgotten him, and he needs to be reintroduced. Uh, I guess so. Um, but the, you know, it works for me. Like if you want to talk about Jake something, these are doing a pretty decent job, I guess. If you're a new viewer, it gets you sort of pumped for him. What do you think? I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I mean, nice little introduction for people who hadn't seen him and a refresher of people who maybe forgot about him. Yeah. I mean, at least they didn't go back to the thing where he was cousin Jake. <laughs> cousin Jake. Well, if uh, Eric Young needs any uh, help against, um, you know, his his <laughs> uh, his old enemies, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, all right. Next, uh, Tracy Brooks wants five minutes with that dumb bitch Lish. Her words. Uh. And uh, it appears that her husband, Frankie, talks her out of it, and then they just leave. <laughs> it's kind of flat. <laughs> this guy's a little like, flat, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the only, the only way that the way they had it set up would have worked is if they actually followed up on it later in the show or something where they're, you know, heading through the back. They're going to their car. Frankie says, oh, shit, I forgot something. I'll be right back. And the next thing you know, here comes Eddie and Alicia, and they lay out Tracy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even though that itself is like, I get enough of that throughout the week. I'm, I'm just really tired of people just getting beaten up. And that's, you know, that's just accepted, you know, like in a workplace. You know, I get that your job is to beat people up, but that's supposed to be a contest for money in front of people. And people always get an attack backstage and nothing ever happens except more backstage attacks. And it's just annoying. Uh, just imagine going to work and getting into a fight like with your coworkers every day. And then you just clock back in the next day like nothing happened. No one gets in trouble. No one's, no one's like, you know, fired or suspended or fined or anything. You just have to go back to work the next day. It's like, Maybe just a little bit less of that. And then, because what they're doing is what I say, like a lot of the time is you're trying to use fights, like street fights or fist fights or whatever, to sell wrestling matches. You kind of got that backwards, right? Mm -hmm. You're supposed to sell a wrestling match and then, or you show the wrestling match and then you hope that during the sporting wrestling match where guys are using techniques and holds and things that now a fight breaks out and things get pretty serious. That's what you're supposed to say. So, um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, 
Well, uh, Brandon, uh, do you need to step out for any reason? Uh, no, nah, I mean, we can, we can, as long as we, we can finish it up, I just got to get there a little bit quick quickly. Gotcha. All right, let's do it quickly. Um, Moose and Myers versus Time Machine. Uh, Myers is, uh, <laughs> okay, this is great. Um, you want to talk about Alex Shelley not really knowing what, um, <laughs> what the business is or how to you know <laughs> dude he myers got pinned in the middle of the heat yeah like he's was... getting heat on he's getting heat on alex shelley and he's just like nope crucifix you're getting pinned yeah that not, was a... no no hot tag no comeback i mean the only thing i could think of is maybe like sell like hey a finish can happen at any time but that was just so awkward the timing of that just like yeah roll up one two three like huh just absolutely ridiculous uh yeah and then everyone hits the ring one at a time bully ray comes out and they start beating people then josh alexander comes out to even up the odds then leo comes out and he makes his choice so he's with the bad guys and then saban comes out like the the, the big return of chris saban like he's been gone for what one week like yeah yeah the sparks came out he breathed the pyro while his friends were getting their ass kicked and then he made his way to the yeah the heels run off here so you know there you go fuck it um as soon as chris saban shows up we got to take a hike you know we can't do this anymore you got three giant dudes and leo rush and then chris saban comes out and they're like let's get the fuck out of here (laughs) sure um so yeah uh, a flashback to uh, April 10, 2014. Eric Young pile drives his way to the TNA title over Nick Aldis. What a great memory. I wonder if that's foreshadowing anything. Uh, I mean, and now we're not smart move to go ahead. To throw, yeah, smart move to throw it out there to kind of just, you know, replay their history. And like that was their biggest moment they had together was Eric Young taking the belt off him. Mm hmm. Um, so we go from that to last week's BTI. So we're not even content with just this week's BTI. We got to go last week. We show uh, Heath giving Angels the last call, presumably after Angels won a match. So, hey, congratulations, uh, Mr. Angels. You won a match. This is great. You finally, you're, you're betting on yourself is paying off finally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get an Angels promo with music underneath. Okay. And uh, this is where uh alan angel says the line i could understand why heath would bang me from behind yeah i i can understand too you know he's much he's a much larger man than you and you know if this were a prison situation also a lot tougher going in from the front too way tougher yeah it's way tougher you know the access is just not as but i i feel like uh yeah, I think I think there was no accident. I don't think a human being could say this sentence in a pre-recorded segment and be like, "I'm fine with this." If you didn't know exactly what you were saying, so there you go. <laughs> Tron was like, "Wait, what?" No, yeah, you said it <laughs> right there. Fail. Speaking of Go angels, on. bang, bang from behind. Speaking of angels, what is a celestial rock star? Says Todd Brantley. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's, I, well, one thing, no, I don't know. 
I mean, stars are celestial by their nature. We use the term stars to describe a person of fame here on earth. So maybe he's just trying to say that not only am I famous here on earth, but I am a celestial being and I'm an angel because my name is angels. Well, I'm multiple angels. I'm not just one angel. I'm angels. And I could understand why someone would bang me from behind. All right. Uh, last week, the rascals uh, spill popcorn and bottled water in the parking lot. True heels. Uh, and, and Mike Bailey gives them some earnest advice uh, that if they would just stop being assholes, and I'm paraphrasing here, Mike Bailey would never say a curse word, uh, then uh, maybe they would get by on their uh, their talent um, and people wouldn't, you know, treat them like they're assholes, I guess. It's basically what he said, which leads to that was last week that happened. We didn't see it because uh, it wasn't on the show, but apparently it was on social media. So um, maybe one of these guys should be the digital media champion. So this week we get uh, Zachary Wentz versus Mike Bailey. Uh, my notes for this one is uh, a kicky. It was a little kicky, this match. A lot of kicking. Um, Trey Miguel be cheating. Uh, he gets ejected while the referee is making absolutely sure that he's leaving. Uh, when spray paints Bailey in the face and hits him with the snavits and goes over. And he does the, this thing again. He does that thing again. Yep. Which if you again. saw Wesley on, um, uh, what was it? Great American bash on Sunday night. He did that too. So like, again, little... I, I have to believe that that's a reference to the little rascals movie from 93. And they're and they're the rascals, so connection. Yeah. And there you like, go. If, like if you go back and watch it, you'll you'll see them. You'll understand like what that what that's from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Any other thoughts on this match? I mean, it was I. Uh, I mean, I think they need to do the spray paint more off or. You need to find different ways to use a spray paint. Or the, um, but then again, how many different ways can you use it? I mean, how many different ways can Jeff Jarrett smack a guy with a guitar? Really just one way. I mean, I guess you could, like, just spray paint them in the chest, and when they look down, like, what the fuck? And then you just kick them in the balls or something. But, you know, it's kind of no Ooh. point in that. Yeah, spray, like, do, do, like, a little piece of art on their chest. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Yeah. All right. Well, uh, main event, Eric Young, uh, versus, uh, Nick Aldis. Eric Young has a new entrance. Uh, he's got a new mask, so he's still basically doing the same gimmick, except he just has new music and a new package and everything. And he's, he's got a new mask. This mask is the Dr. Doom mask. Can Disney just sue him already and, and get this over with? Like they even, they even flat out said it on commentary about reference to Dr. Doom. Yeah. Yeah, as if we needed the help. Thank you very much, Impact Announcers. We have no idea who this iconic uh, face is. Um, uh, pile driver again. See you, Nick, all this. <laughs> That's basically what I wrote. Look, they, they had a match. I didn't really pay attention to it because I basically knew what this match was going to be. It was going to be a nice wrestling match uh, where they kind of took their time and didn't do anything totally stupid so you know there you go and then the post match is the design attacks with uh 
you know, choke slams from Khan and a DDT from Diener. They, they should have brought a knife. Yeah, right. That works the first time, didn't it? Allegedly. Oh, apparently not. I mean, fuck. But, you know, whatever. So, so we're just going to go right back to it. And I guess you have to. But yeah, I mean, you got to address that. Yeah, you have to. But I also just don't like it. So we're stuck here. You know, I know Impact based all their decisions around what I like. So I'm just telling you that I don't like it. And I hope they get it over with as quickly as possible. But this is probably going to turn into a, a Eric Young and Jake something versus these two fucking guys, which is, you know, good, good matchup on paper. If you look at, you know, size wise, something and, matches up with Khan and there you go. And there's actually a decent match between Aldous and uh, Young tonight too, or the other night, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not that I was going to watch it, but I mean, I could feel that it was good while it was on playing in the background in my house. Uh, I could feel that they were having a nice match. Uh, so I would expect nothing less uh, from two great veterans of the sport. Um, any final thoughts on the show? Oh, and answer Jerome's question. No, I don't remember seeing any lighting tonight. So at least we got, looks like, at least for tonight, we're winning that war. We won that battle, but we'll see what happens next week. Yeah. We'll see. What's the lighting of Jimmy Jacobs thing? Did he take the lights with him? Like, is, is this now? We're going to see how the show shapes up in, in the future. Well, um, actually, remember my theory about Demore was the one who took him out? He's back mm -hmm. in power. When was the last time we saw him? Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, there you go. I mean, things to keep your eye on. I mean, if, if you're going to watch this show, you got to entertain yourself somehow because you can't be guaranteed. But we did get a good solid match from uh, Eric Young and Nick Aldis. And we got uh, what I think was actually an even better match from Masha and Giselle. So and we, had uh, a we great did get those. And we had a great entertaining vignette with Dango and Johnny Bravo. Right. So if you can, if, if that's one, two, three things that you got good out of the show, I guess that's a pretty good impact show. So we'll, we'll give them a tentative thumbs up, or at least I will. And, um, a we thumb. will all, one, yeah, thumb. one thumb, just one thumb. And it might even be like, for me, for me, it's like an orange Cassidy. Like, yeah, I, I'll give you that one. Like, okay. A little, little orange. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's good. Whatever. Anyway. That's that, and uh, let's see if you give us a thumbs up, uh, because we're going to tell you where you can follow us and find us and keep up with us. Uh, Brandon, you first. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter, or I guess X now, at uh, TransArchistTia, as well as twitch.tv slash MissTiaTheTransArchist, and always on uh, Substack at HMGBrandon. All right, and that way you can follow along with Punching Up Impact. So, uh, yeah, um, you could, where can't you find me? You guys are probably tired of me. I'm too many places. Last week, I almost completed the six-pack challenge, but I instead won the Fatal Five-Way and appeared on everything from Monday Locker Room, Impact Attack, Wednesday uh, Next Level Wrestling Review, uh, Light the Fuse, uh, Collision Wreckage. Uh, yeah, just too, too much, man. Shit, man, too much. So... Uh, you, 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 you got enough of me. Opinion Haver everywhere is the social media tags, including Twitch. You can find me there. 
Brandon's doing raids. I'm doing all kinds of different weird stuff. Tomorrow's $2 Tuesday, uh, or not $2 Tuesday. Tomorrow's True Crime Tuesday. So we're going to get back into Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. Uh, we're going to do that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, there's a, what's, what's in that pipe? Some Coke in that pipe. That's Coke lace pipe. Uh, Climate but, change. Uh, and, uh, oh, you can see Steve Eggert at Collision on Saturday. Oh, man. Whoa. All right. There you go. I'm going to see my man Steve on Collision. Uh, bring a sign or something. We can identify you. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, pretty much everywhere for me. Of course, you got wrestling with Rip Rogers. You know, they were on the road. Um, and definitely, uh, you know, that caused some issues with the broadcasting. But, you know, it's fine. Um, and I'm sure that this week, if they do a show, they're going to have rips going to have a lot to say about Adrian street. So check, check that out from a guy who worked with him. And Adrian street said was his favorite program. He ever worked in the United States. Uh, and then of course, Stevie Richards, my God, Stevie Richards channel. Have you seen this wrestling analysis channel? It's already up to like 17,000 subscribers. I didn't. I thought it was all, all on the uh, Patreon. I was not aware of that. I have to check that out. His YouTube channel has seventeen thousand subscribers, and his Patreon. I don't know how many patrons it has as of right now, but as one, I can tell you that the content on the Patreon is different than the content on the YouTube. So if you are keeping up with both, you're getting double the content. But if you're only doing one, you're still getting unique content. So this today, uh, he uploaded uh, a breakdown of the finish of the Darby Allen versus Minoru Suzuki match from um, Collision, which was a great match as well. I really enjoyed that match. I love both those guys. And Stevie breaks down a lot of things. And I was just so happy because all I ever hear when you know when wrestling analysts talk about guys like this uh, most of the time what i hear is oh darby allen's skinny and he does stupid things and minoru suzuki's old and he i don't care about japanese wrestlers i don't care he's old and he looks like shit. so like that's all i ever hear about minoru suzuki or hitman talking about his haircut or whatever but if you watch stevie richard's patreon video like he breaks down genius things that these guys do in their match um and he breaks it down a genius way so it's well worth the money for the patreon but even if you don't go to the patreon just check out the youtube then Seventeen thousand subscribers in such a short time this is big and wrestlers yep. talk wrestling people are gonna listen um Dude, so it's actually been blowing up a little bit on, re on wrestling reddit like when you did the tiger, the tiger yeah the tiger driver 91 people are like surprised like Holy shit, somebody breaking this down like an ESPN analyst. Like, this is the first we've seen. This is amazing. It is. And it's a good thing because he loves, he shouldn't, he shouldn't not love wrestling. But that's and, the feeling I got for him for years now. But doing something that like this that he enjoys can remind him, hey, not everything is a bad experience in wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, you did fall in love with this for a reason, and you dedicated your life to it for a reason, and the WWE has a way of making you hate wrestling, and so I'm glad that he's able to find a new way to 
you know, have a, a spark and passion and enjoy what's great about wrestling now by doing this. So you guys should partake of that and feel that spark with Stevie and enjoy it and look at wrestling in a new way. He's doing what I wanted to do or what I try to do for you guys. I'm not saying he stole my idea. I'm just saying we think on the same wavelength of this is something I wanted to do in a slightly different way than he did it. I wasn't going to have the Telestrator, but I did want to go through like match videos and like, you know, I've done this with Ray a couple of times on certain things uh, where we break down the footage and okay, pause. And then I point things out, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, that's something I would have liked to do more of. And the fact that Stevie's doing it now and adding his vibe board with the Madden Telestrator style and everything like that is even better. So I'm, I'm very happy that, that uh, he, he can do that. Um, so whatever, check it out and check out everything else he does from big fitness show podcast to, you know, uh, Steve Richards fitness, everything. Check out Stevie Richards. And the best part about Stevie Richards is that he does it. His heart's in the right place. And he's doing everything with the best of intentions. That's right. And that's what we need more of. We need more of that in wrestling. We need more of that in the world. And uh, yeah. So if you need more of us to talk about Impact, then you'll have to wait till next week because this week is over. So for Brandon, I'm the vet and I don't have a sign off line.